Welcome to Building Better Businesses, an ABA podcast. Learn firsthand from business owners who built successful ABA businesses. Utilize proven techniques and strategies to help your practice thrive. This is Building Better Businesses, an ABA podcast with Jonathan Mueller. Jameson Kimball is the founder and CEO of All About ABA, providing in-home treatment to children with autism in New Jersey and Indiana. And prior to that, Jameson was a vice president of sales at AccuPoint. Uh, he's got a wife and a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Abigail. That means father's blessing, I recently learned. Jameson, welcome to the pod, man. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Super excited to be here. So I am, I, I'm super excited to have you. And dude, you got your career start in maybe an unlikely place, insurance. Yeah. And I know you were in sales and, and client relationship management, a variety of roles. Uh, tell me more about your entrepreneurial journey and, and how it led you into autism services. Yeah, so I, I knew that you were going to start with a hard question like this, and uh, I love to jump into it. So my background was risk. Um, I worked with sophisticated law firms, hedge funds, private equities. Um, we did their insurance. And so really for me, I was able to build relationships with people. Um, and I think outside the box when it comes to risk and it fit me very well. Um, it's funny, I started insurance and I thought that my career was going to be insurance. I, I married into an insurance family. Um, I had a client that was in the ABA space, a little company called AccuPoint. And uh, this company, AccuPoint, um, they asked me to join them. And at that point, the ABA to me was the American Bar Association. And that was the conference I would go to every year. We worked with a lot of law firms. And so um, the CEO of this company said, hey, we need someone to come in here and really help us with streamlining a sales process. Um, and I had no clue what it was, but I said, Noah, I really like you, Matt, I like what you guys are doing. And I want to take this chance with you. So I completely left my career that I was very comfortable in to start in the space of ABA. Um, and from there, there's no looking back. Hmm. Uh, fell in love, will never leave the space. I found out how I'm connected to it. And it, it feels good to be able to give back. I love that. And I'm going to tease on that thread. But before I do, you just made a really important comment about risk. And I and I had um, someone recently mentioned to me, like, every decision you make in life is risk reward. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's like, hey, I'm going to cook a different meal tonight. And maybe my kids say, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. Maybe they say, I hate this. And they like go to bed hungry. Like there's risk reward. If I go to dive off a diving board and I'm going to try a backflip, uh, which I know I would kill myself, but like there's risk reward to that. Yeah. And like the cheering you're going to get, I don't know, is that, so I really appreciate this, this notion that sort of your start in insurance was around risk, but does it feel like most decisions in life and particularly as an entrepreneur, like most, if not every decision is a risk versus reward decision. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there are some risks that we take that unfortunately aren't positive rewards. Um, yeah, and, and for myself, sometimes it's a negative. I like to, when people ask me, what's a weakness of yours? It's my highly analytical sense. Sometimes I think too much, but it's the analyzing everything. So 
we have a lot on our plate for our company and, and we're constantly assessing, okay, what's our next move, whether it's getting into a clinic or how to better serve our community or going into a new state or challenges that we face with hiring. Um, there's certainly risk and rewards that. And mm -hmm. we'll certainly touch on that a little bit more when you, when you ask me some more questions about uh, the hiring process. But yeah, Man, I, I mean, I think just being an entrepreneur in and of itself, that journey is the epitome of risk and reward. You're putting everything on the line to create this organization, have this vision of the world that doesn't yet exist and people can say you're crazy. Yeah, but isn't that cool though? Like I, I was thinking about it this morning as I pulled into my office. So we're now in that position where we're growing and we're taking over office space and we're going to get our sign out on the front very soon. <laughs> You're legit with the but sign. I love it. Like this is this is that cool side of that risk, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is my first company and I'm very fortunate to have investors that believe in me and what we can do. Um, it is such a cool feeling to know that we've taken this tremendous risk, right? I left the corporate world and now I've got my shingle out and now we're actually seeing the progress being made, thinking that we have, I, I have 30, 40 employees at this point. It's, it's amazing. So yes, there was tremendous risk just in starting this, mm. but wow, the reward, the reward is so impactful. Hugely impactful. Well, let's, I want to come back to, to AccuPoint. So you yeah. were hired as VP of sales and yeah. to have sort of put together a sales process. Uh, and, and, and listeners, AccuPoint, if you're not aware, is, is a practice management and EHR system for the ABA field. Um, and, um, but Jameson, you gained all kinds of insights, I'm sure, <laughs> into like learning about like a wide range of ABA practices. Can you share a few of the things that you learned about different ABA um, organizations and practices from your time at AccuPoint? Yeah. So um, bad news for the listeners out there. If you're using paper, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. um, over my time, I was actually able to have um, conversations with over 6,000 providers in the country. Oh my gosh. Um, the AccuPoint system, very quickly when I joined them, we acquired Catalyst, WebAVA, Code Metro, and several other brands. I think in total, 19 of them. Um, and we grew very fast. Um, I was able to connect with a lot of different people in the space in every single state. Um, I was able to connect with people overseas as well. Um, first off, and, and this is the important thing when I was thinking about what I wanted to say today, I want to get this point across. And it's very important that people understand that migrating to, a, to an EHR, a CRM system is not easy. It's never going to be easy. The easiest time you can do it is when you are a brand new company. If you're a brand new company that does have the means to be able to do it, I recommend it. If you are that thousand plus company, and I've talked to a lot of them, thousand plus employees thinking about moving from paper to electronic, it is the scariest thing. And I've had very tough conversations with people. Rip off the bandaid. Mm -hmm. Rip off the bandaid. I, sage advice. <laughs> Let me back up because I always quote that the data I see in our field is that there are 6,000 ABA providers. You've had conversations with like there's more than six thousand. I got to tell you, <laughs> but six thousand different providers, and, and it sounds like you're talking to the whole gamut from big yeah. to small, like early startup. 
Um, are there, is there anything, Jameson, if you were to like pinpoint, um, like insights you got from, from the, the providers that you knew were really going to be successful, what, what were the kinds of things that they were doing? Building processes. Um, mm. and it's easier said than done, especially for a new company. Um, the ones that I knew were going to be successful right off the bat were the ones that were coming into it saying, we need to establish ourselves very early in what we're going to do. Not necessarily what we're doing, but what we're going to do for the future. The ones that say, no, I've been a BCBA for a while and it's time for me to start my own business. I've got 10 clients that are joining me and I've got four RBTs that are joining me. I'm going to be fine. And they just start. I think that they're at a huge disadvantage. They haven't put that necessary thought into their processes. And mm -hmm. I think that as an early company, one of the best advantages that we have is the credentialing process, mm -hmm. specifically with Optum. I actually really like the Optum audit. And I talk to a lot of people about this. I really like that one because it really challenges us, right? Other insurances, it's like fill out a form, hit submit, and you're done. And then we'll go through the process. With Optum specifically, when you get to that specific point, you're going to have to share all of your information and you're going to get a score off of that. And I remember our score, we got like a 91. Um, I believe 85 is passing. I know I, I was happy about it, but honestly, I turned around and I said to them, what did I need to get to get to hundred? Because knowing that they're identifying our weak points can really help us in building our process. Now, Optum doesn't just say, okay, if you do this one time in one state, you're done. They're going to challenge you to this every single time you go into a new state and apply. For mm -hmm. So it really allows you to see if you're making progress with your operations and your process. Because if you get to that next state and you get an 87, right, you're going backwards. Yeah. And I think that the key to success going back to it was ultimately having the foresight to say, what processes do we need to develop? And what do we need to do early to be able to get off on the right foot? Mm. So important, especially because being an entrepreneur, it's almost like trench warfare. Like you are so ingrained in the day to day. Mm. It's hard to like pull up for air and look out over the horizon around what you're going to have to solve for next. But that's I, I, I love that you pointed that out. Hey, can I share like my Optum experience? Because yeah. I, I will yeah, never absolutely. forget. It was, it, was, it, was, it was almost it was almost literally exactly four years ago. It was in Phoenix. And, um, and I'll never forget this. And by the way, Jameson, I love that you love the Optum process because I love it too. And you know what I hear from all the providers I talk to? They hate yeah. it. Like, I don't they want to do this. Like, I I can't do it. They're asking me for this information. What are you talking about? They need our employee and our client handbooks. It, it's like, this should be table stakes, right? It yeah. should be absolute table stakes. Now, it would be nice if there was a standardized process that every ABA provider had to go through, whatever it might be, predation slants. But that aside, so he, so we we got, I mean, we over-invested time to make sure we had our documentation, yeah. right? Ducks in a row, we could answer literally every question. And we went into it and the, the auditor was super friendly, was really like personable, was it was a conversational thing. And she had attention to detail. And I'll never forget one question. It was like, yeah, we said, um, you know, Optum requires RBT. And we said, yeah, of course, we hire all, uh, uh, only RBTs or we get them their RBT before they start. And she's like, okay, cool. And she looks, she's like, oh, pull up that staff member and let's go into uh, your practice management system and show me their RBT certificate. And I was like, 
Like, oh my right. gosh, please, let's, and it wasn't just like, hey, are we living up to doing that? But no, do we have the documentation to back it up? Now, thankfully, yes, we did, but it was because of overinvesting that time. So I am with you, man. Yeah. So important to do. Yeah, and, I, and I'm in the business of providing good services and quality. And so if you if you think about it, if, if people are not challenged with what Optimass then it allows a lot of companies that are not here for the right intentions to be able to, to start. That's right. And so I think that it's very important that that Optum and the other insurance companies really do everything they can to really challenge us as business owners as we're getting started, because what we're putting together for Optum will impact the families in the end. Yep. And in the end, that's the only thing that matters, this child that we're providing service to. 100%. Hundred percent. Well, let me one one last question around um, practice yeah. management. So I know I, I love that advice, like rip off the bandaid, and I couldn't agree more. Um, like just do it. But do you have any other advice as as a um, as an ABA provider is looking to potentially either get a new system in place or switch systems? Yeah. Um, any advice on like criteria or framework to use to find the right system for them? So. There are a lot of different options out there for you at this point. Um, not any one of them will have everyone saying they absolutely love the system. I think we all know the Facebook groups and we see the comments all the time. Um, I think that it's important to come up with your list of what you need the system to do for you. And when you're thinking of that list, you need to think of how it impacts your process. So you have a process for intake. How is that system going to match that process for you? So it's very important to come up with your list. I've seen a lot of companies, they would over time send me lists of all of their specs that they need. And honestly, yes, it's important to know that it's HIPAA compliant and that it meets the needs of your IT team. But in the end, it needs to meet the needs of your team that's going to use this day to day. And more importantly than that, you need to think of who's going to be part of your team that's going to help implement. Mm. A lot of times you make the mistake thinking, okay, we're hiring this system. And so if we're using this system, they're going to get us to be able to use the system. The reality is that you need to be able to use the system and you need to be able to train your team. So I always say to people, when you're starting that process, you come up with, with your questions but also identify those people in your organization that are gonna help you with onboarding and becoming the trainers and the experts of the system. Because if you say, I'm gonna rely on this two letter company, right? Um, we're gonna rely on this company to get us onboarded. The reality is you're gonna fail and you're gonna turn around saying, well, this didn't work. That guy, Jameson, who said, rip off the bandaid, lied to me. <laughs> it's like, no, you, you have to be prepared for the challenges of it. It is switching iPhone to Android. Myself, I'm not doing it. I've got an iPhone, I'm not changing. I know the difficulty of it, I don't want the hassle. But these companies that have to get over to a system, right? Mm -hmm. Florida was one of them when EVV came out. Now, since then it's it's been eliminated and we're gonna see that, right? As states make announcements of technology, you will see them being delayed, pushed back, reverse but ultimately as a business you want to get to electronic everyone wants to get to electronic so identify those people those key stakeholders within your organization and bring them into this process 
Now, it's important that you don't say it's one person. Right? A lot of times these are small practices and you say, okay, I'm the owner. I'm going to be the one that does the onboarding. But in the end, you don't have the time. But I was reading a book and it was talking about ABA and time efficiency. And it's talking about how you need to realize what you can do and what you need to give to someone else. So specifically billing, right? RCM. Oftentimes as small business owners, we go, that's a lot of money that I'm going to pay to someone else. Mm. But what's better, paying that money or not collecting? Mm. So identify those people early and make them feel good about being part of this team. I love it. I identify those people early, make sure you've got champions internally, make sure you're going through the training and that requirements document. I love that idea. In fact, I've got one, I'll post it in the show notes. This is not specific to practice management. It's specific to um, sort of PEO organizations, but I think that's critical, right? Be very clear what you're looking for in a system and the critical few, right? Not the laundry list of the 600 things you want, right? what are like the three most important things and then objectively evaluate across each of those dimensions, any yeah. practice management system. And if you are that large agency that's going to make the change, um, realize that there are certain needs that are unique to your organization that you're going to ask a technology to put into their system. I look at it kind of like a contractor. I'm son of a contractor. If they say it's going to take a month, it's going to take three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of like that. And technology, it's actually much longer at length than that. So you have to be prepared for a workaround during that time you're waiting and be ready to hear, yes, we can do it and not fully get that developed. Hmm. So decide what is absolutely necessary to you and make that partner of yours, because this is a partner, make them commit to it. It's very mm -hmm. important. Oh, that's genius. So I, I have to share one more story then because yeah, I, I, a very wise person, gosh, probably about 20 years ago told me technology doesn't improve our lives. It only changes our expectations. And I don't think I fully appreciated what she said at the time, but it's so true. And, and actually I'll never forget when I was in Silicon Valley, I lived in San Francisco. I had like three other roommates and uh, this was like 2001, 2002. And like on a Saturday, we were all just sitting around and one of my roommates who I think was, he, had an internship at JP Morgan or something for the summer. Um, he, he busted out this device that had a whole keyboard on it. And he was like getting emails from the office. This device was called a Blackberry. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I will never ever in my life get a device like that where I could get emails from work on a weekend. So sorry, draw the line. Well, and the rest clearly is history, but um, sage advice, Jameson. Well, so you saw at, at AccuPoint 6,000 different ABA providers, and then you made a decision that you were going to start your own organization. Tell me, what was that inspiration to start all about ABA? I've, I was the son of an entrepreneur, and I always had the itch. Um, when I was in college, the first idea I had was a company called uh, Green Living. If my friends from college hear this podcast now, they'll all be <laughs> laughing and saying, yeah, right, buddy. Um, but I was going to revolutionize the gas station industry and mm -hmm. make a green alternative to it. Um, that was my first taste of it. Um, I presented at a, it was the Northeastern Pennsylvania business plan competition and I ended up not winning. And I remember getting crushed by that. 
And one of the judges came up to me after and talked to me about it and told me why I didn't win. Ultimately, they had $20,000. I was looking for a million dollars. They gave me the 20,000. It's just going to get me to the next competition. Yeah. So they said, let's give it to someone that actually can do something with it. So that was like that first taste. And then Mm -hmm. from there, kind of getting into the field, insurance is very much entrepreneur where you Mm -hmm. have to build your book of business. Um, so being over on the AccuPoint side and, and falling in love with this field, I knew that my step, my next step was be an entrepreneur and be an entrepreneur in this space. Um, took a couple months for me to realize that it's going to be as an ABA practice owner. Um, but look, I, I fell in love with this space. And, and if you want to, if you want to, um, hear my story of how I found my love for it, it's ultimately based off of me having ADHD. Um, my my whole family, we were the no child left behind before no child left behind. Um, and my mom fought very hard with schools and sued several schools for my brothers and for myself. And, and ultimately I was going back to school to finish my college degree. I took a little sabbatical about 10 years long and I was working with AccuPoint and I was, uh, talking to a business owner and we were talking about my challenge. I was going back to school. I had four classes left. I was working 80 hours a week. So getting coursework done was on the weekends. And so I'm talking to her about my challenge with reading because I don't enjoy reading. If you know anything about ADHD, if you don't enjoy it, good luck getting them to focus on it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm telling her about this and I'm telling her how I read two, three times to be able to understand it. She said to me, well, well Jameson, look, um, why are you sitting there for two hours, three hours reading like that? Why don't you do 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off? I said, well, it's going to take me double the time. She said, didn't you just tell me it takes three times the amount to be able to understand mm. it? I said, yeah. And she said, that's what ABA is. Mm. So it clicked for me that this is a space that not only are we doing good for the autistic community, but I really see it developing where my daughter, if she does have ADHD, she'll be able to receive and benefit from these services. We're at, we're at the start. I look at this as it was like, how long has a doctor been around, right? How long have we been around? We're just mm. at the very start of what ABA can do. We're looking at it as just, we're looking at as services that are funded for autistic children. But in some states, right, there's a broader definition of the spectrum. Um, We're seeing businesses, OBM, right? We're seeing a lot of good that's going to impact society from these services. Mm -hmm. We're just at the very beginning. So understanding it myself and how how it will benefit me and my family, really, it touched me. And so I said to myself, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I want to give back. I want to, I want to. I want to be that positive impact to my community. And if it means starting a business like this and being able to do this and all the hard work that comes from this, so be it. Let's do it. Let's go. That's kind of where we are, right? It's that, it's that Hertz commercial right now. Yeah. Tom Brady, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Hells yes. I'm like, I, I, I want to like stand up and scream from my chair. Um, like that's such a powerful story. I, I think one, it, it speaks to, the power of our science, right? And how generalizable it is. And hopefully, maybe it'll take a generation, maybe it'll just take a few 
years, but pretty soon the world's going to know that ABA can address everything (laughs) that, you know, we needed to address Two man. I I just want to say like, I honor your journey, you know, getting, having an ADHD diagnosis and seeking how you can best interact with your environment and with others. That's really powerful, man. And, you know, I, I've, I've described it on the show before as an adult, I was diagnosed with ADD and generalized anxiety. And this, this is one of those things that, um, you know, we've got to get out of the like business of like, it's taboo to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. I should be able to talk about my headache and my ADD in like the same breath and not think twice about it. And anecdotally, Jameson, I'll say this, this is purely anecdotal. I don't have the research, but so many entrepreneurs I meet have ADD as well. Have oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I shouldn't say this, but I've had situations where people have told me not to tell others. I don't look at it as a disadvantage. We talk about my my nature of being highly analytical. Mm-hmm. These disabilities that people refer them to, they're not disabilities. These are advantages in ways that we don't even see them yet. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd go so far and I describe my ADD as a superpower. Yeah, that's right. You are a superhuman. I, I know you're going to rip off that. You yeah. <laughs> Um, you ever right. see, I saw a Superman with a beard, but I like it. Yeah, <laughs> right on. ABA practice owners, are billing and insurance issues getting you down? Well, let me tell you, Element RCM is your answer. Element provides world-class revenue cycle management services, contracting, credentialing, authorizations, billing, and more. Element's your partner, so you can focus on what you love to do providing the highest quality services to your families and clients. Element's a preferred partner of the Behavioral Health Center of Excellence and its founders have nearly 20 years of experience owning and operating successful ABA organizations. They understand you. They know that every dollar counts, that integrity is everything. Element works with any practice management system. And Element's not a vendor, they're your partner. So find out more and take a free revenue cycle assessment at elementrcm.ai. So, James, just to like follow up on on all about ABA. Again, there's six thousand ABA yeah. providers out there. How the heck are you all different? It's oh, a good question. And so, our mission. Um, so, we are going to provide exceptional services to underserved communities throughout the country. I think about that. I I feel good about that. But it, man, it could be portrayed as pretty generic. Right. How many of us are out there looking to provide good services to people in this community? Um, we we want to be the difference. Um, one thing that I found very early in Indiana was that one of the groups that is extremely underserved is the Spanish speaking community. Um, there's like no one to provide service. And maybe it's that I just haven't found those people. So if you're listening and and you're a provider that that provides Spanish-speaking services, like reach out to me. I'm going to refer you a bunch of people. But I I found that that is one group that is extremely underserved. And so one of our missions is to figure out how to serve them and how to provide quality services. It's not just get someone in the home. It's about making a difference in that child's life. And so talking about how we would be able to provide services to a Spanish-speaking family. Well, Yes, it's the RBT. It's the technician that's going to go in the home. Yes, it's the BCBA. 
but it's also that intake person, right? Mm -hmm. Identifying people on our team that can help us with bringing on a family that doesn't speak English because they need services too. And if I'm going to fulfill my mission of providing exceptional services to underserved families, it's figuring out how that, how we can do that and how we can mm -hmm. actually not only do it, but really make a difference in those families' lives. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I know that was something that, that came up over the last few weeks. Um, we're very fortunate to have a lot of people join our team that really want to be part of this organization and this family. I call it a family here. Everyone that joins, welcome to the family. Jonathan, welcome to the family. Um, really, it's it's those people. Um, we It's funny, we, we were talking about this yesterday and serving this one specific family. And from that meeting, we had one of our employees volunteering saying, I speak Spanish. I will give up the time. Hold on one second. Sorry. Hey, I'm on. Shoo, shoo. Sorry, that's my partner there bothering me. Oh, um, good. Hey, it's awesome to have a partner as an entrepreneur, man. But uh, but yeah, going back to it, it was it was great kind of hearing that uh, that we had our team going outside of their comfort zone to be able to help these families. And it means so much to me. Now, the next mission is to be able to help identify how we can help more families that have unusual circumstances. I know one of the challenges we have right now is distance in the state of Indiana. Um, I go out to Indiana every month. It's a very spread out state. And so the question is, how can we provide effective services in areas that are very remote? Um, for me, I don't like telehealth. Yes, telehealth's approved. Yes, we can use telehealth, but I argue with my clinical team all the time, and I don't even have to argue because they agree with me. Having a, te having a technician provide telehealth services, we feel is very challenging to being able to provide effective services. Mm. You need an extremely strong family that's supporting what we're doing to be involved during that time. You need an RBT that knows how to work with the child remote. You need a BCBA that does the same thing. Um, fortunately, we have insurance saying, okay, we'll fund it. But ultimately, I don't care if insurance is going to give me the check for providing service. I care about whether or not we're making that difference in that family's life. Mm -hmm. So sure, it could solve a lot of my problems if I say, okay, perfect, remote Indiana, go tell out. But in the end, it's not going to provide us with what we're trying to do with our mission. Mm -hmm. So listeners, and especially ABA practice owners, I want you to pay attention very closely to um, how Jameson answered that question. When I asked how's all about ABA different, he started with his mission statement. That is very rare to hear. And that is something I strongly believe when you're talking about your organization. If your mission means anything, that's what you lead with to describe the impact you want to have. Um, you know, at Ascend Behavior Partners, our mission is to partner with families living with autism to build a strong foundation for their children in early childhood and beyond. Well, that's probably too long. We've got to like, no, like your years. But like that, if, if we're not, and I hear the passion in your voice, Jameson, what you're describing. Um, but if we're not leading with our mission, then what are we? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Awesome. But I, so you spend a lot of time, as you mentioned, um, like traveling to Indiana once a month, but you spend a lot of time building relationships in yeah. local communities with a variety of 
stakeholders, right? Referral sources and um, payers and others. And you spent a lot of your career in sales and, and, and relationship management. So what are some of those like really critical skills that you've learned in your career around sales that have made you successful? That's a good question. Um, you need to identify someone on your team that that's not afraid of knocking on doors. Um, I think that we, my partners got lucky with me because I, I had to knock on doors. Mm -hmm. um, right now, the challenge that a new business has, we know that online campaigns work. We know that referrals work. We know that establishing relationships work. Right now for a new business specifically, or a business saying, I want to grow, you need to think outside the box and how you are going to build relationships um, right now. So a lot of times companies will do stop-ins. You'll go to pediatricians or hospitals or you'll go into your community and you'll stop in and give them information about your business. I don't want to get political and talk about COVID, but the reality is that in the doctor's office, it's uncomfortable for um, someone to come in and try to bring something to you. Um, you might even see no solicitation signs out front um, mm -hmm. or they um, they refer to us sometimes as, as uh, like a drug rep because they associate the doctors mm -hmm. with pharmaceutical companies and their drug reps coming in. And so they're saying, no, you can't come in. So the question is, how do you think outside the box? For us, mm -hmm. we've taken some unique approaches. Um, knock on wood, it seems to work. Um, but the question you need to answer is, okay, they don't want me here, but I need to be here, right? To fulfill my mission, I need to get out mm -hmm. into, my computer, into my community. If they don't want me here, how can I get them to want me here? Mm -hmm. And so you answer it yourself. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a hint how we're doing it. Um, it seems like nobody says no to coffee and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah, I love. <laughs> but create, get creative, right? Yeah, that's ultimately what I, we need to do. I love that. Get creative, and you know, you bring up a really important point that just like dropping things off about you that makes it about you, and people don't engage with a business partner um, because of the business partner. They engage because they have a pain point, they have a challenge they're looking to solve. So to build on that, I would offer like, don't think about what you're giving to them and describing about your own ABA practice. Listeners, figure out what's important to them. What are their pain points? What's going to make them want you to come in, even if you don't bring the delicious coffee and donuts? <laughs> like, well, what, that, that's icing. Well, like what's important to them? Solve for that. And then that's your approach. Jonathan, you you touched on something very important. And, and I would love to, if I could, get on my soapbox really quick. Um, for anyone out there listening, I am looking to build a referral network of some sort. One thing that we see constantly is that there are a lot of families reaching out for services that are not diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And so the next step is diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking for, and I would love anyone that wants to reach out, I want you to be part of this. I want to be part of everyone's cultures and families. Let's build a network of resources for these families. 
what I love the most, and I take all of the calls that come into our business, um, any of the intake calls, um, because I want to I want to be able to talk to the families. What I love more than anything is to be able to have a family who calls me up and I know I can't help them. Right. They don't have diagnosis yet. Nothing makes me happier than to say I can't help you, but I'm going to send over to you an Excel document of all providers that do diagnosis in your area mm-hmm. and how long of a wait list they have if they have one. Mm-hmm. That is one very strong way we can all give back. And we all know people and we can all build our own lists. But if we can all come together somehow and share that, I think it will make a huge difference in all these families' lives. Absolutely. And and it goes to show, like, instead of just saying, oh, sorry, referral source, we don't serve that kiddo. Or here's like maybe an idea of someone like they're coming to you with a problem, maybe maybe you don't provide that service, help them get to someone who does provide that service, provide warm handoffs. And if you're solving their problems, they're going to want to come back and solve your problems. So well said. James, one of the things when we, um, you know, first met and spoke, gosh, like, you know, well over a year ago, um, you had an astute um, sense of like how important the revenue cycle was um, to organizations and, you know, meaning billing, insurance, Etc. Because it touches all different parts of the organization. Like, why is it, Jameson, that it's so important to get the revenue cycle right? Well, the easy question is: without money, you can't stay in business. <laughs> uh, that's the easy answer to that one. Um, look, you you've got two choices. Billing is going to be the most important thing to the business. Um, yes, building a strong culture and having all of your processes in place and everything else there is great. In the end, you have to be able to get paid by insurance. Now you have two choices as business. You can do it yourself and you can build out your team or you can go to a third party. Hmm. For us, it was very clear. Go to a third party because we can't get this wrong. Hmm. Simple as that. Now, there are a lot of things that can come from third parties. Um, we talk about just the simple billing, right? Processing Mm -hmm. claims, working rejections. That's just one piece of it, right? And to an outsider, you think, okay, that's our challenge. Well, credentialing is a pretty big challenge, right, Jonathan? It's Mm -hmm. a pretty big challenge in itself. Um, renewal, uh, well, not renewals, um, reauthorizations, um, authorizations, extremely important. Simply knowing what your cash flow is, is going to be what you need to think mm-hmm. about at all times. Um, we, we look at reports constantly of what, we, what hours we have scheduled, what hours we have completed, what hours we have canceled, what hours that have been converted, right? We have all these reports on this, and we are looking at those metrics as a new business to be able to see growth and be able to predict growth over time. In the first year, it's very hard to predict. But if you can have a really strong partner, whether it's internal or external, that can provide you accurate information, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So yeah. not sure what else to add there. I just want to I, be, be straight up with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Either build out your team early or go to the experts early. Simple as that. Well said. 
you know, full disclosure, I'm the co-CEO of Element RCM. We are uh, a revenue cycle company that built by ABA owners and operators. And it's, you know, the biggest thing for me was wanting to go from a, uh, uh, hey, just having to stare at my bank account to know if cash is coming in <laughs> to actually, as you describe, having visibility into all of the upstream processes yeah. and data that indicates we're doing this well. And honestly, like, and, and I know you were... Uh, it, your the first uh, your first point around that hey, you got to bring the money in um, was kind of a funny one, but it's true, right? Like eighty five in my experience, what we see across those six thousand providers, eighty five cents of the dollar is collected for all of the hard work that's being done, and we know best practice is like ninety six to ninety eight cents on the dollar. Isn't so nothing. It's yeah, so the average, just like fifty percent of the industries on paper. Like no. the average collections, what is it really? Like I know what billing companies will promise. I know what people will tell their friends, but really, what is it? You said, what was it, 87 cents on the dollar? 85 cents. 85 cents is like you, I'm sure you have people turn you away for five, six, seven percent, right? For what That's you're right. going to charge them. They're walking away from 15 percent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, so, uh, Jameson, this has been awesome. Before we get to our hot take, um, where can people find you and All About ABA online? Uh, you, you can find us online at allaboutaba.com. Um, we've got a beautiful website that we are constantly tweaking. Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, Jameson Kimball, uh, Facebook as well. I think that one thing that I resisted in the very beginning of joining the space of ABA was Facebook. Mm -hmm. I knew Facebook for my college life. I didn't touch it after college. Um, the only reason why I had it was because my wife wanted to make sure that everyone saw that I was married. Um, and, uh, and so Facebook, I found to be a tremendous resource for everyone, mm -hmm. whether you are an ABA provider, whether you are a technician getting into this field, whether you're a BCBA trying to grow a network, whether you're a family trying to understand what this diagnosis means to you, mm -hmm. right? A these Facebook groups are tremendous. Um, Becca Tag had a tremendous one. I think mm -hmm. it's still around um, for business owners. Um, there are so many resources out there. Take advantage of it, everyone, because what I've learned, and and tell me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, but. I've never been turned away from an ABA provider talking to me just mm -hmm. to talk and, and hear what we're going through and what they're going through. I, I, I was in insurance. Cold calling people is real. And man, did I get some real answers? Um, the cold call in this space is different. As long as we are doing what, what we are here to do, right? Provide exceptional services to underserved families. There's not one person that's going to give us a hard time for being in this space. Um, and so really, I'm, I'm here to anyone. Um, reach out if you want to talk and hear our story. I'd love to share it with you. I'm a talker. If you can't tell already. Um, but I also want to hear from you kind of what we can learn. Mm. Because if I can learn it from you, I don't have to make that mistake. Right on. Well said. This is the new wave of what I've experienced of... Um, ABA organizations who are excited to collaborate and help one another. That's powerful. All right. So you ready for hot take? Oh, I'm ready. Rapid fire. 
Short answers. Here we go. Jameson, you're on your deathbed. What's the one thing you want to be remembered for? Um, I want to make a difference in my community. Awesome. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's this, but I want to, I want to make a difference. What's your most important self-care practice? I shut down on the weekends. Nice. Um, I've, I've worked those 80, 90, 100 hour weeks before. I took one week off for maternity leave or paternity leave when we had our daughter. I would not make that mistake again. If you email me on the weekend and you need me to get back in touch with you, call me. Because I do not check my email on the weekend. My whole team knows it. It is the one thing that I know if I can shut down on the weekend, I can be productive on Monday. Mm. If you could cancel all meetings, skip all your responsibilities for a day, how would you spend the day? Oh, with Abigail. <laughs> uh, yeah, with, with my wife and daughter. Simple as that. Nice. What's your favorite song ever? So All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Um, but Dave Matthews has a really good yes. All Along the Watchtower as well. So an extraordinary one in fact the version that they did off of what was their ep recently in the early 90s dave matthews is from charlottesville virginia which is where i went to college university of virginia and they would play it locally at tracks and that ep what i think is the best version of all along the watchtower by dave matthews was recorded tracks in charlottesville couldn't agree more man <laughs> i knew i liked you uh, if, if you could give your 18 year old self one piece of advice what would it be uh you should have gone to a better college yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I met my wife there. Um, take more seriously. Um, mm -hmm. We 18 year olds, we think we know everything. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I, I remember I had some terrible professors, but they have a lot of life experiences that I didn't take seriously and learn from. Mm -hmm. So realize that you're 18 years old. Mm -hmm. You don't know everything and just take it a little more seriously. Nice. All right. And finally, you can only wear one style of footwear for the rest of your life. Which would it be? So I'm a dress shoes guy. Um, I, I really like nice dress shoes. Um, yeah, I, I would have a nice pair of Kohans with the leather sole <laughs> and not the plastic. Um, and I could I could wear that for the rest of my life. That's awesome, man. Hey, Jameson, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you for taking time. Jonathan, thank you. Have a wonderful day, and thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Building Better Businesses in ABA podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. In the meantime, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. We value your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on social media at elementrcm.ai.